Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories. Stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. The first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. It was kind of one of those things where I'm like, in my head, and I've never even shared this with anybody, but I was like, I know this isn't going to last forever, but I know when it ends, like, it's not going to be good. Like, I, this isn't going to be something that I can just, like, walk away from. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting here with Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen. How are we doing today, guys? We are doing good, and I'm really enjoying how much we're all seeing of each other. Yes. I know. It's like now once we started Patreon, we got to get three things done every single week. And it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot of quality time. It's a lot of quality time with you both. Billy, it's literally your only social exposure. Me being, wait a minute, I've read some of the reviews, me being vulnerable (laughs) and sensitive and endearing on the Patreon. That's actually what I used to like describe the episode. So people are probably just regurgitating my (laughs) nobody can come up with get a a thesaurus, people, for for my most vulnerable moments that these two women cajole me into. The first degree is Chris Jenner is crafting a marketing narrative for your (laughs) Patreon, and now you're trying to take credit for it. I know, Billy. I'm trying to craft your personality to like make you seem as likable as possible. You know, we (laughs) we got to get the approval rating up. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. No, but what we're talking about, if you don't know, last week we had a Patreon episode called Truth Serum with Billy, and he drank a bunch of beers and bared his soul to us pretty much. And it was really sweet. And if you're on the all access part of Patreon, we did a video podcast. I think maybe he drank some hard liquor too. And you know what happens when people do that. Yes. (laughs) All bets are off. Might've been a combination of both. Yeah. Mm. Either way, we loved it. Um, So yeah. And this week on Patreon, uh, it's our Florida man series, the beginning of them. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for that one. Yeah. All the craziest stories from Florida. They're pretty good. But um, do we have any other housekeeping before we begin? No, that's it. Lex? No, I got mm-hmm. nothing. All right. Well, what day is it today, Billy? All right. Today is May the 4th. And ah, yes. might I say, may the 4th be with you because it is Intergalactic Star Wars Day. Wow. You're start alert. Had to do it. Nerd alert. Yes. Nerd alert. Jared stoked. I do want to ask you. Do you have a favorite, both of you, a favorite Star Wars character? No. R2-D2. 
I don't watch Star Wars. Okay, R two D two. Little trash right, can good. one. Little trash can one. All right. I like Job of the Hut just because he's a big blob. You would because you like all those blob fish and like frogs that look like blobs. It's very unbranded. Did you see the box fish I sent you the other day? Yeah, Alexa <laughs> sent me a fish in the shape of a square that I really enjoyed thoroughly. She likes okay. just a certain look for animals, like bulbous, <laughs> a bulbous animal. Very mm-hmm. round. Yeah. I will be drinking out of my Star Wars cup today. Like maybe I'll use it as my uh, my like my cup at my bedside table to drink my water during the middle of which, the night. Which Star Wars cup? The cup that you gave Jared and I as a I gift. Gave Jared, first of all, oh, I gave Jared that cup. <laughs> well, it exists in my apartment. Yes, so. it does because you he, Jared moved in and he had no glasses of his own. It's like I'm going to get him. Uh, One like a return cup. of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing someone like Jack loves, like a mismatched cup. In <laughs> I know. You know what? I actually, I don't mind it. I think it's kind of cute. It's yes. sweet and it has, it was a gift. It was a mm. gift. And I can put right. it behind closed doors. Doesn't have to mm-hmm. be out and about. Seen by all. That's right. Um. All right. Well, I think that that is enough of that. Yeah. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. According to the CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report, nearly half female murder victims were at some point romantically involved with the person who killed them. An average of 57 women in the U.S. each month are shot and killed by intimate partners. Between 2010 and 2017, murder by an intimate partner using a gun increased by 26%. An additional 1 million women in the U.S. have survived being shot by an intimate partner. So how do we stop these perpetrators and how can we avoid getting into relationships with them? The short answer is we can't. These abusers are cunning, they're master manipulators, and they disguise their true characters until they have their victims where they want them. In today's case, we're going to introduce to you our first degree, Katie. And Katie has been gracious enough to be candid, vulnerable, and share her story for the benefit of everyone listening today in the hopes that we'll learn something and help us understand the complex nature of relationships riddled with domestic violence and abuse. And most importantly, we'll share with you how Katie survived this relationship, getting out of it just in the nick of time. And while Katie survived this relationship, not everyone in the story did. So today's case takes us back to Wednesday, January 27th of 2021, a little bit over a year ago. The top song on the chart was Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo, which seems like it should have been longer ago than that, which is crazy how time sometimes doesn't fly, followed by The weekend's Blinding Lights. The top movie was Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which grossed over $71 million, which is pretty crazy considering we're pretty much in the weeds of the pandemic at that point. And today's story actually begins in Mansfield, Ohio. And this is a location we've discussed before on The First Degree. As the story progresses, we'll move into other Ohio cities, including Columbus and beyond. So I grew up in Mansfield, Ohio, which you guys are actually already familiar with because of the Collier Landry story. 
For all of our new listeners, we did a three-parter on the Noreen Boyle case, and that's episodes 158, 159, and 160. Definitely give those episodes a listen if you haven't already. But anyways, back to what Katie was saying about growing up in Mansfield. So you guys are a teensy bit familiar with Mansfield already. I had a really nice childhood in Mansfield. I grew up in the Woodland neighborhood, um, which was really cute. My elementary school was like right around the corner from my house. So I would walk to school every morning and it was just kind of like a cute small town neighborhood. In the summer, like we had the the pool that was in the neighborhood and everybody went. It was kind of like that that neighborhood you could ride your bike as a kid all over the town you went home kind of when the streetlights came on sort of thing. Katie moved through elementary, middle, and finally high school. And it was there that Katie met the guy who would eventually become her boyfriend. And his name was Ryan Stroop. I remember seeing him at school, but I didn't really know him until my senior year. And that's kind of when I met him. Most of my friends were older, so everybody graduated and left. And then senior year... I got put in the same homecoming group with him. That's kind of how like we met and started talking. So at the homecoming dance, Katie and Ryan got to talking, and there was definitely a spark. And that's essentially when the flirting and the courting began. Katie was intrigued. This is such a thing with Mansfield. Everybody wants to be a rapper or a music producer in high school. Ryan wanted to be a music producer, which I thought was really cool at the time. When you're 18, you realize like that's not always a realistic goal, but he made like beats, I guess, for like rap songs. At the time, I thought, well, that's pretty rad. He was actually like pretty good at it. So, you know, that was another thing that was like, oh, he wants to be a producer. Like, that's so interesting. Like, you know, get on board with that. At the beginning, he was just like, really personable. Like he was really interested in like, I don't know, like just things about me. Like I've, I work with animals now. So like he was really interested that I was like into animals. We liked the same sort of music and like movies, just kind of like high school stuff. He was kind of too. And like the sort of popular group from what like it looked like at the time, he was always kind of like the fun party guy sort of vibe. He was just always kind of the cool guy around everyone, it seemed like. So Katie was definitely crushing hard, but she knew how to play it cool. I did like him. He would text me. I'd try and just kind of play it cool. I wasn't trying, like really trying that hard to put myself out there. And then, I don't know, we just hung out a couple times and I was like, I I think I really like, like this guy. And then we just kind of started dating from there. Katie and Ryan's relationship continued to grow, and they appeared to be an idyllic couple. And for a while, they were. However, Ryan appeared to have a bit of a jealous streak, and it would reveal itself every now and then. The first, like, I would say, like, six, seven months, everything was pretty great. But I remember some guy, like, messaged me on Facebook trying to hit on me, and he got super pissed. My first job was, like, in a restaurant, so it was just somebody, I think from there, but he like freaked out. He wanted to go there and confront the person. And I remember just being like, no, no, like it's not, it's not worth all that. And my brain at the time, I was like, oh, he's just looking out for me kind of thing, which now, you know, that's a huge red flag. But at the time when you're 18 and don't know anything about the world, it's like, okay, he's just, he's being, you know, he's just being a protective boyfriend. But what Katie's describing, we all saw this in high school. Some jealousy, a little bit of protectiveness. This is all normal, right? 
But anyways, Katie and Ryan became more and more engaged in this relationship. And unfortunately, the problem with falling in love with your boyfriend during your senior year in high school is that you probably already had post-grad plans locked in way beforehand. And this is exactly what happened with Katie and Ryan. Katie had plans to move to Columbus to go to school, and Ryan was moving with his friends in Cincinnati. But they were in love, and they were all in, and they decided to stay together anyway. I moved to Columbus in August, and he moved to Cincinnati around the same time. At first, like, everything was all lovey-dovey, like, never any problems. Like, he was super sweet, really nice, like, kind of protective, but not in a weird way. And then when he got to Cincinnati, he lived there for about two weeks. And I came to see him because I had just moved to Columbus. And, like, from Columbus to Cincy is, like, maybe an hour and a half drive. And when Katie visited Ryan, he confessed that he was miserable in Cincinnati, where he was. He had like, I I wouldn't call it a nervous breakdown, but he had some type of weird breakdown, I guess, where he all of a sudden like didn't want to live there anymore. Um, And he had moved in with three of his friends and they had planned this move and this whole thing like way before I even came into the picture. That was in the plan before we ever even dated. But he was there for about two weeks and kind of like freaked out and said, you know, I don't want to be in Cincinnati anymore. I don't want to live in this apartment anymore. I want to live like closer to you and closer to my family. To be clear, Katie did not ask or encourage Ryan to move. But she was supportive of what Ryan said he wanted to do, which was to move to Columbus to be closer to her. I'm a supportive person. If you tell me you don't want to do something and try something else, I... I'm going to say, okay, like, let's try something else. But, you know, I said, all right, like, let's, why don't you come back to Columbus with me? We can look at apartments. Seems totally reasonable and totally supportive. Ryan's friends were pissed at him because he'd signed a lease with them, but there was nothing Katie could do to talk Ryan out of wanting to move. So in Katie's mind, the plan was that Ryan would stay with her while he looked for his own apartment somewhere in the Columbus area. But Ryan had what he thought was a much better idea. And he was like, no, I think I'll just move in to, like, the complex that you live in. They have something available. And I think he maybe had already even called and asked if they had something available. Katie was surprised. And this gave Katie some pause. She was fine with and even liked the idea of Ryan being in the same city. But in the same apartment complex, I mean, how would Katie grow? How would she make new friends and establish independence during her freshman year with Ryan essentially shadowing her every move? That was a big concern for her. But regardless of Katie's discomfort at this idea, Ryan disregarded her apprehension and insisted. He was determined. And soon he was living in his own apartment across the way from Katie within the same complex. And I don't mean across the hall, but kind of across the street, but within the same apartment complex. And suddenly Katie found herself spending almost every night at Ryan's apartment, which seems to be exactly what he wanted. Katie tried to continue to be supportive of Ryan and the things that he wanted to do but they started having an increasing number of arguments. So once he moved to into Columbus, like into the same apartment complex as me, that's when things like kind of started taking a turn. The arguments became more and more frequent and they escalated in intensity. And then a strange new relationship characteristic emerged. Ryan started showing increasingly controlling behavior. When I started college, and it was first day of school, it's my first college class, I'm really excited, like, 
you know, it's a whole new like chapter. And it's, it's not like I was getting like dressed up to the nines or anything, but it was kind of like, why are you wearing that? Like, why are you putting makeup on? Like, you don't, you don't need to put makeup on to go to school. And I was like, well, this is just kind of what I feel comfortable wearing. And he was like, well, you should go take it off. And I kind of was just like, well, this is, this is weird, but you know, like, I don't know. I don't know why I took my makeup off, but I did. This controlling behavior continued to compound. It became more and more frequent. And then the next day it was like, why are you wearing that outfit? Like, I don't want you to wear that because people are going to stare. Like, I don't want guys staring at you. So it was like things like that started cropping up where they didn't before. He enrolled at the exact same college as me. So like, he's going to class. And I think it's just because he couldn't, like, keep a constant eye on me or something. So that stuff kind of started to happen. And it sort of, like, escalated from there. The behavior continued. And eventually Katie realized she was almost never at her own apartment. And if she tried to spend any time alone, Ryan would push back. I had moved in like with one of my friends and then he kind of wouldn't let me go back to my old apartment. And then I remember I was like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to go hang out with my roommate. Like I kind of want to go back to my apartment and hang out there. He wouldn't get like angry about it. But he would try and say, like, well, I don't think your roommate is really, like, good for you to be around. He kind of would just say, oh, you know, like, I don't think she's good for you, like, her lifestyle and, like, all the partying, which, looking back, she really, like, wasn't partying that much. She was just being 22. I noticed, like, if I pushed it, then he would kind of start to get irritated about it. And so I said, okay, like, I'll I'll stay with you a couple more nights and then I'll go back. And it it just turned into I, I never went back to that apartment, basically. And if I pushed it, it, it would become a problem. So Katie is 18 at this point, which is an age where your boyfriend would be a big influence over your life. But this Ryan, the one who was controlling her to such a degree, was not the Ryan that she fell in love with in high school. He'd changed a lot. And his behavior continued to escalate and frankly, worsen. People would come stay at the apartment and we like we would have drinks and we were all under 21 but whatever like that's college and all of a sudden like he just would give me this look and you kind of just knew something was wrong but like I hadn't done anything like I hadn't said anything but he would kind of like pull me into the other room and he would kind of chew me out and be like you're embarrassing me like I can't believe you're being so clingy and weird and like I like I don't want you to come out of this room the rest of the time what the fuck? Not in any way normal or acceptable behavior at all. And I would try and push the issue and be like, what are you talking about? You know, like we're, we're sitting here having a perfectly nice time. And he's like, I'm telling everyone you're going to bed because I just I can't stand the way you're acting. He would just have like a couple of drinks and just get angry. And it, I could say something as simple as like the sky is blue and he would take issue with it. So Ryan would do this, exert his power over his girlfriend in front of their guests when the mood would strike him. And the stress and anxiety of walking on eggshells around Ryan continued to weigh on Katie. And meanwhile, Ryan continued to try to isolate Katie from the new friend she was trying to make in Columbus. All of this took a massive toll on Katie's mental health. And Ryan was becoming more erratic. And Katie had no idea how to predict when and where he might explode with rage or anger directed squarely towards her for no reason. It was really strange because we would have 
a, a period of time where everything was fine. He was like super happy with me, like things were okay. And then, you know, there would be like a short period of time where he just would be angry at me all the time. And it, it was definitely exacerbated by alcohol. It was like every little thing I did, you know, like I would analyze before I did it. Like, is he going to get upset by this? Like, I don't want to piss him off. It was around this time that Katie realized she was pretty unhappy. But the idea of untangling herself from Ryan at this point, with him across the street and with their dynamic the way it was, it just seemed impossible. She kind of felt trapped and feared what he'd do if she tried to back away from the relationship. It was kind of one of those things where I'm like, in my head, and I've never even shared this with anybody, but I was like, I know this isn't going to last forever, but I know when it ends, like, it's not going to be good. Like, I, this isn't going to be something that I can just, like, walk away from. Coincidentally, right when Katie started having these realizations about the relationship, Ryan came up with an excuse for his behavior. It's almost as if he picked up on the fact that he may have pushed Katie too far, almost as if he needed to rope her back in. The new narrative Ryan adopted was that he was struggling with extreme anxiety, which must be the reason he was so mean and so aggressive towards her. He needed her to help him through this, which is so fucking manipulative. He said other things as well, and we'll let Katie elaborate on those. I think I'm depressed. Like, I think I need to go talk to somebody. If you tell me you need help, I'm going to say, okay, like, let's, let's get you help. Like, let's get you, you know, counseling or whatever it is you need. So I saw that as like, oh, you know, like he's, he wants to like improve. But Ryan didn't improve. In fact, he only got worse. His behavior was escalating past points that it usually did. I was at that point pretty used to like being gaslit or being like berated a lot. And of course, you know, I said, please get help. Like, please, like, let's get you someone to talk to. And he said he was going to a psychiatrist. Looking back, he lied about a lot um, to the point where I, there are things he told me that I'm like, I don't know if this is true or not. And this doctor supposedly prescribed him medications. I don't know what those medications were, but they were psych drugs. And he told me, oh, yeah, I'm not supposed to drink alcohol or smoke weed on on these, which he did both quite a bit. Katie was becoming more and more unhappy with Ryan, and he could pick up on it. So he would selectively behave himself and be extra sweet for periods of time to suck her back in and trick her into thinking things were improving. But then he would become abusive all over again, and it became a familiar cycle. And Ryan was allegedly taking meds to help with his, you know, struggles, but he abused marijuana and alcohol while he took his medication, and that had consequences as well. Right around July, I think, is really when things escalated. He found a bar that didn't card, and I remember going there with him, and I was very much like a good girl for a long time. Like, Going to a bar and not being carded was like kind of a big thing for me. He had a couple beers. I had a drink or two tops. It's college. A lot of kids do this before they're 21. They went out, they had fun, and then they got home. The night went smoothly. Well, it had up until that point. We got back to our apartment and he was just belligerent. I'd been scared of him before but I was really, really scared of him this time. But we were kind of like in front of the building and he accused me of wanting to sleep with a random guy at the bar that had like 
I had just talked to for a minute because Ryan went off somewhere else. I only remember having like one or two drinks. I found out after the fact he had Klonopin in his possession. And I really believe he put something in my drink that night. I just like, I don't remember a whole lot from that night, which is what makes me think that I was drugged. And he was screaming at me. He He's a big guy. Ryan isn't just a big guy. He's a huge guy. He's about 6'5 and like 200-something pounds, um, and I am 5'3, 130 pounds soaking wet. And he grabbed my arm and swung me like a Frisbee across this lawn and then was just screaming at me. It was horrible things about me. And he grabbed me by my arm and like drug me up the steps. Like, you know how like a dad grabs a kid kind of like by the upper arm when they're in trouble to like drag them off to go like chastise them or whatever. This is scary and serious shit. This is a violent outburst. And now Ryan has escalated to physically hurting Katie for no reason and possibly drugging her as well. And what he did next was even more scary. Ryan dragged Katie inside. She tried to stick up for herself. And then Ryan threw her into the bedroom. I vaguely remember sticking up for myself in that moment and him like throwing me into the bedroom and calling my parents. And like, I can, one of the few things I remember is him calling my parents and his voice changing. Like he went from scary, belligerent, kind of like wild to polite. Yeah. So he just switched his demeanor like a psychopath. He gathered himself. He regained his composure. He took a deep breath and he calmly called Katie's parents on his cell phone. In a polite and seemingly worried tone, he tells them that Katie was the one who was being belligerent and out of control. I remember him saying like, she's out of control. Like she drank too much at the bar. Like you guys should come get her. So when Katie was telling me the story, something about the scenario felt really oddly familiar. And then I remember where I'd witnessed something similar before, something that probably everyone listening had noticed because it was national news. The way Brian Laundrie and Gabby Petito were interacting when the police had pulled them over after someone had seen Brian hit Gabby, right? And you guys remember, it's like she was hysterical Mm -hmm. and he was so measured. He had his arms crossed, but the person who had witnessed it and called the police at first had said he was hitting her. Yeah. And then he was just able to gather himself because uh, some dudes like this can compartmentalize and do that. And she looked like the hysterical one. Right. I still can't even watch like coverage of that case because I'm like, I, I, Gabby Petito, I'm like that, that could have been me. Like I saw so much of myself in that poor girl that like I can barely even watch it still. Okay. So back to the night in question, Katie's parents drove to pick her up immediately in the middle of the night from Mansfield to Columbus. They were upset with her because she had been drinking underage at a bar. And Ryan had really turned up the charm and convinced them that Katie really had been the one out of control. I mean, he turned on. It was like a switch flip. I just remember in in the state I was in just being like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, he was belligerent and screaming a minute ago. And now he's like, hi, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Katie's mom and dad, like, you need to come get her. She's acting out. This is all really chilling stuff. The next morning, Katie felt like garbage, physically and emotionally. I woke up with, like, such a knot in my stomach. Like, I already felt hungover. And then I just was like, fuck, like, my parents are mad at me. 
And she didn't tell them the truth about Ryan's behavior. She was afraid to. I'm just like, I wish I could tell you guys. Like, I really wish I could tell you guys what happened. But I knew if I started sharing that he, Ryan was going to like, like it, it would just escalate things even more. Like, I was so afraid to tell them like anything. I hid a lot. I didn't tell them or really anyone what was going on when it was just the two of us in that apartment. So they didn't know. I was really good at hiding it. I know my mom was like, something's weird, like something's off here. She didn't say it to me at the time. And I think probably because she was probably afraid that I would be like, what are you talking about? Katie was dreading speaking with Ryan the next morning, but she couldn't avoid it forever. Katie's parents had to drive her back to Columbus because she didn't have her car or her clothes or anything with her. And when she finally spoke with Ryan, he pretended like nothing had happened the night before at all. Yeah, like nothing happened. Casual. I just assaulted you. I gaslit you. And I involved your parents while I was acting like a Ted Bundy psycho. And he's just there pretending it didn't happen, being all cavalier. It's frustrating. It's scary. And Katie, I think, again, probably felt trapped and maybe crazy. Like, this is how the whole, did I bring this on myself inner narrative starts to emerge with people because they're like, I feel crazy and everyone else seems fine. And I think that's was what was going on here a little bit. It was like, oh yeah, you know, like you really like caused a scene last night and stuff. And I, in my head, I'm like, did I hallucinate that entire thing? Like what the fuck, you know, it, it's gaslighting, but you know, like he basically just made it that I, I did something wrong again. And then I'm like, great. So not only am I clingy, but now I'm a sloppy drunk and I can't take me anywhere kind of thing. He moved on. And in my head, I was just like, wow, like this, this last 24 hours has just been horrendous. Katie at this point is feeling paralyzed. She's trapped in this relationship. Plus, because of Ryan's controlling behavior, Katie's support system in Columbus was was scant. It was thin. And she had few places and people to turn to, which is probably exactly what Ryan wanted. It was just like, this is bad. Like, I just feel like bad things are about to happen soon. It is just this weird, like, foreboding feeling that, like, things are about to blow up. I took French in high school, and I was so excited that we were going to France for Jack's wedding so I could practice my French, and it was only when I got there I realized just how rusty I'd gotten, and I wanted to communicate in French with the locals there so badly. If you can relate to this experience, then Rosetta Stone is right for you. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You can choose from one of 25 languages like Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Fast-track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a quick and natural way. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's True Accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is so convenient, and it can be used on your desktop computer or as an app, with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. 
So if you're a super busy person and you don't have time to go to the gym, or maybe you just don't even want to go to the gym and work out in front of a bunch of different people, you need to check out the Aloe Moves app. I'm obsessed with this app. So it makes it easy to keep your wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place. There's yoga, there's Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, and so much more. So either you're a beginner or you're an advanced person, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that will fit your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending depending on what you're feeling that day. So even if you only have five minutes, you can just get some movement in. I used Aloe Moves all during the pandemic. It was amazing. Like I was on my yoga journey and I was obsessed with it. So you can find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for those quiet moments, even if you don't really want to get a workout on. And when it comes to sleep, it's just important as fitness and nutrition, and they've got you covered with Aloe Moves. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to Aloe Moves com and use code FIRST for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com, code FIRST, A-L-O-M-O-V-E-S.com, code FIRST. Okay, so listen, we are busy ladies over here on the first degree. And when I have a moment of free time, I don't want to spend it grocery shopping. I want to spend it rotting on the couch and watching reality TV. And that is why I love Thrive Market. So Thrive Market is a go-to for all of my grocery and household essentials. And the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstop is such a huge time saver. So Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They actually restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So you can go on their website and use their filters to suit any of your lifestyle needs. If you're allergic to a certain ingredient, if you just don't want to have it in your life, that's why Thrive Market is so awesome. So whether you're looking for organic snacks for your kids or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. I love this so much because I don't want to read every ingredient when I go to the grocery store. It's so easy to do it online, honestly, when I'm rotting on the couch. So join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash first for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash first. Thrivemarket.com slash first. Fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. No prepping, no cooking, or cleanup needed. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Get started today and get after your goals. Plus, Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. For me, I was really struggling to get enough protein. I always do. But Factor's meals are protein-packed, and they're so good. And it's so easy when I'm slammed busy working in the middle of the day to just have lunch right there, not needing to do anything, except heat it up. Head to factormeals.com slash firstdegree50 and use code DEGREE50 to get 50% off. That's code DEGREE50 at factormeals.com slash firstdegree50 to get 50% off. Katie continued to walk on eggshells around Ryan. That was until Labor Day weekend, when frankly... Things exploded in a way even Katie couldn't have seen coming. What I call the Labor Day incident was definitely the catalyst for the breakup. 
To understand this story, you need a little context about Katie's background. We'll let her explain. Side tidbit about me is my dad's family is Greek, so I grew up in the Greek community in Mansfield, and I grew up Greek Orthodox. So then when I moved to Columbus, Columbus has a pretty big Greek population, and their dance group was actually really, really cool. So I was like, I would kind of like to get in on that. So I was like, that'd be a really great way to like meet people, make friends. It's through a church. So I was in the dance group, and the Greek festival lasts from Friday to Monday. And this Greek festival was over the Labor Day weekend in question. And on one of the last days of this festival, when Katie was doing her performances, Ryan decides to come. Things were going fine. And then the Sunday night performance rolls around, and Ryan had come. We had just done our last performance, so... I changed out of, like, my costume and stuff and then came back out. And they have, like, a beer tent and everything. So it was, like, kind of a nice vibe. So this was definitely, like, in the later hours of the evening. But I was sitting there. Him and I were talking. And he just he just had this look. And, I like, I could tell right away, like, he's been drinking. And I knew he smoked weed. He just looked angry already. And I don't know why. Then Ryan started play fighting or messing around, quote unquote, with a couple of other guys who were also there. I mean, like I said, he's a big guy. He's six five at the time was like 230 pounds, maybe. And so they were kind of like, like messing around to where he was like picking them up almost and kind of like throwing them around. And it kind of it escalated to where somebody told him to stop. And then he kind of got like got shitty about it to the point where the priest of the church came over and they got into a screaming match and he tried to like fight the priest essentially we get asked to leave and i could not get out of there fast enough this is over i don't think i can ever come back here again i never did go back because i was like this this was the worst so this is the one place in columbus where katie had successfully formed relationships outside of ryan And he, in one foul swoop, just shattered it. Katie was mortified. She was devastated. And she's thinking to herself, how can I ever come back from this? Ryan assaulted the priest of this church. And she knew she wouldn't. And in that moment that night, she knew she just had to remove herself from that situation right away, just knowing things were going south fast. To this day, I'm like, this is one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. I was making friends, like people liked me, like, and I was really good at the dancing. So, you know, like, it was kind of like, oh, like, we love having you kind of thing. Like, people were kind of welcoming me into the group. He was trying to ruin it for me. Ryan and Katie left the church and headed to Katie's car to go home. This is already a bad situation, and I don't know what's going to happen when we get home. And we pulled up to a stop sign, and he screamed at me and got out of the car and literally ran off. So I was like, I'm I'm not chasing him. So I go back to our apartment and I get there and I look around and I'm like, I shouldn't be here. I've never felt something like it since, but it was just that gut feeling of like, get out, like get out of here, grab your purse, get the fuck out of this apartment. Like something bad is going to happen here. That strong of kind of a fight or flight kind of thing. So I get in my car and I drive, I drove to Taco Bell because it was like right down the road from where we lived. Katie parked in the parking lot and call it common sense or call it karma, but Katie decided to call Ryan's mom and tell her what he'd done. So I called his mom and I was like, hey, 
this just happened. I don't know where Ryan is, like, but I know he is drunk. I was like, he is being scary. I was like, it's bad. She said, you know, go to our house, you know, like we'll take care of it kind of thing. So I get to her house and my phone rings and I look down and it's my dad and it's late at night and I haven't told either of my parents what's going on. As soon as Katie saw her dad calling her this late, she knew the situation had somehow escalated. How would he even know this was going on otherwise? So I see this, my dad, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, he he knows something's wrong. So I pick up the phone, and he goes, so are you going to tell me what's going on? And I was like, all right, well, I was like, so what do you know since you're calling me? And Ryan had called both of my parents. But this time, during this drunken call to Katie's parents, Ryan was not at all polite. He was not measured like he had been the first time he called them under these kind of circumstances. This time, he was burning it all to the ground. He was always nice to them, to their face, but then, like, a year or so into the relationship, he started telling me how much he hated my parents. So he, I guess, was just saying horrible things to them, just called my mom the C-word, like, just every awful thing you could say to somebody's parents. So Katie's parents picked her up, and I bet you're wondering what Ryan did after this. Well, he went back to the apartment, but he didn't just sit there. He didn't just make destructive and damaging phone calls. He did way, way worse than that. Ryan went back to our apartment and barricaded himself in there to the point where the SWAT team had to come because, like, we did have guns in the house. They weren't mine. I'm not sure exactly where he got them. And he was threatening to kill himself or shoot at the police. Kind of like a standoff situation with them. So I was in the car with my dad, and we were starting to drive back to Mansfield. And his mom called my dad, and they said... Katie needs to come back because the police need to go through the apartment. I remember looking at my dad and being like, I'm not going back there if he's like out and about, like I'm, I'm not doing it. And that's when I found out like, oh no, like he's in an ambulance and we're taking him to the hospital. By the time we got back to the apartment, it, it was, it was insane. There was caution tape everywhere. There were helicopters circling. It was on the news the next day. He was admitted involuntarily to the psych ward at Ohio State. So when Katie was originally telling me this story, I did not see it going here. You know, it's like you hear about drunken stuff at this age and like, yes, clearly he's abusive, but like having a SWAT team show up and having him barricade himself in there with a gun threatening to shoot police. I'm like, holy shit. He went from punching a priest. Like, thank God her instinct was like not to chase him when he got out of the car. Cause like, you know, when you're a girlfriend, like that's your instinct to like, come back, get back in. Like, I don't want you to go. And it's like, I'm so glad she didn't because he was in a burn it all to the ground kind of fucking mood. Right. And if she was there, it would have, she would have just gotten caught up in all the physicality of what was going on. You would have just bl- blamed it on her and put all the aggression towards her for no yeah. good reason. There's, I, I can't think of one college store that ends or like even this. in the middle has a SWAT team in it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely fucking not. Right. And it's clear that this time things were different. Katie woke up the next morning. Unlike the last time, this time she knew exactly what she had to do. I woke up the next morning and 
I told my mom, like, so we're going to go get my stuff, right? Like, it was just kind of like, we're done with this. Yeah. And my mom was like, yeah, of course, like, we'll leave as soon as you're ready. So it's kind of like that next day. I mean, in those moments, I knew deep down it was done. And it was kind of there that I was like, I cannot live like this. Like, this cannot be, this cannot be my life. In the meantime, Ryan was on a 72-hour hold following the standoff at the apartment with the SWAT team. But after that time passed, it's no surprise, I'm sure, he immediately attempted to contact Katie again. He did not wake up with the same realization that she had about this relationship being over. He was ready to jump right back in. The 72 hours passed, and he kept trying to call me. He kept trying to call, trying to call, trying to call. Obviously, I wasn't answering. Katie wouldn't answer. I eventually got my phone number changed. But Ryan wasn't giving up. He couldn't reach Katie. So he got desperate. He was, like, posting stuff online, like, does anybody know where she is? Like, can anybody, like, get her to talk to me kind of thing? Like, all of a sudden it was like, oh, I'm so sad and I'm this heartbroken man whose girlfriend has left him. When it's like, no, I left because you had a psychotic break and tried to kill yourself or somebody else, like, in, in that situation. Still, he persisted. He kept, like, trying to find out where I was. And it's not like he didn't know where I lived, you know? Like, it's not like he didn't know that I lived in Mansfield or where my house was. Ryan was so fucking relentless that Katie had to leave town. So I left, and I went and stayed with family out of state for a couple weeks because I didn't want anybody to have to lie to him. Like, oh, and I didn't tell anybody besides my parents, like, where I was because he was, like trying to figure out ways, I guess, to find me in Mansfield and then came back when I thought it was safe. But he had, like, hacked all of my social media trying to find out where I was and what I was doing. I guess we shouldn't be surprised, but the audacity and entitlement this guy has in thinking every part of Katie's life is his for the taking is really frustrating. And since Ryan hacked Katie's social media, of course, he found things that he interpreted as a slight to him, everything he makes about him, even though they were broken up and Katie hadn't romantically engaged with anyone, even though she technically could have done whatever she wanted, you know, Ryan still felt entitled to be just angry at her and all that. It's just aggravating. When you and a significant other break up, people flood your DMs. Like, it happens. Dudes get into the DMs. They try and talk to you. And he hacked my social media and saw messages from another guy who was trying to talk to me. And he freaked out when he saw that. And that's when, like, the harassment and everything just, like, really, really ramped up. The harassment Katie is referring to, online harassment. Making disgusting posts about her online. Embarrassing things that were complete fabrications. Katie was desperate to make it stop, but she felt powerless. Then one day, Katie received a call from an unknown number. And not thinking anything of it, she answered it. He somehow got my new phone number. And I answered a call thinking it was somebody else, and it was him on the phone. Katie was shocked to hear Ryan on the phone. She had successfully avoided him for so long and was furious that somebody had shared her new phone number with him. This call completely blindsided her. And you know what? She blocked him and did all that for a reason. These relationships with these dynamics have very powerful holds over both sides. 
And she needed to cut him off completely to protect herself from falling back into any of that cyclical stuff. Someone betrayed her and gave him her number, which is, again, just so aggravating. And of course, in that moment, because she was caught off guard, he caught Katie in a moment of weakness. Katie's a normal person with a healthy brain and with empathy. And meanwhile, all these crazy, awful things about are being posted about her online. So she thinks in this moment, maybe, maybe she can reason with him. Maybe she can make all the mortifying and relentless online harassment and slander stop. And on this call, Ryan broke her down. So I will be a thousand percent honest and candid with you. I did see him one more time and I couldn't tell you why I went to see him. I still don't really understand why I did that myself, but I know it's something that people in violent relationships do. And I think it's because I just, I felt I had this very naive belief that like, if I talk to him myself face to face, maybe I can get all this to stop. Like maybe I can talk to him and just for whatever reason, I thought maybe we could have a rational conversation about it and all of this would stop. Which, looking back, I still am just like, why did you do that? Katie truly has no reason to beat herself up about giving in and seeing Ryan this last time. And for those of us who've never been in this situation, it can be hard to understand. When you get conditioned to aspects of an abusive relationship, there are clear cycles. And when the end of a fight is over, the man is usually sorry and working overtime to reel the victim back in. They're extra sweet. They're loving. And it's this period of bliss for the victim where things temporarily feel better, the relief they've been craving. So according to Psychology Today, the paradox of domestic violence is that the abused remains in the relationship because at the end of the argument, it's relief, relief. They've been wanting it to be over. They want their sweet person back who they met in the beginning, and they get little glimpses of that person at the end of these arguments. These psychological holds are extremely, extremely powerful. And when you consider that Katie was in high school when she entered into this relationship, it adds a whole additional layer to all of this and explains why she would agree to see him, for example. Yeah. And I think we need to remember that Katie was 18 and 19 years old when everything was happening. And that is so fucking young. Right. And sometimes people can't see what's going on clearly or understand that they're being controlled, abused and beyond, especially as a teenager. A lot of this is kind of seen in retrospect, looking back on your relationship. And plus, Ryan didn't reveal his propensity for abuse or violence when they first started dating and getting closer in the beginning. And in the beginning, everybody is on their best behavior as they suck the victim in and make them reliant on them. Only after they were pretty deep in the relationship did he start to reveal his abusive, violent nature. And I think that like a lot of this, you could talk about love bombing and all that in the beginning of a relationship with totally. a sociopath. So he slowly conditioned Katie to accept various aspects of the control he exerted over her in these small baby steps. First, it was, you know, you shouldn't wear makeup on your first day of college. Then it was, you shouldn't wear these pants because people are going to stare at you. And then it slowly escalated into things like punching the priest at the church that she joined, dragging her around by the arm, and screaming and disparaging her in front of their friends. It happened slowly over time. And remember at the time, Katie lived in another city from her family. Ryan was there monitoring her every move, controlling her when he was living across the street from her, and like she was isolated from her like support system. Yeah. Completely. And teens will sometimes think name-calling or other disparaging behaviors are normal. Many teens don't report unhealthy behaviors because they're afraid to tell family and friends or they're embarrassed. 
Regardless of the age of a domestic violence victim, reasons for staying with abusers are extremely complex, and in most cases are based on the reality that their abuser will follow through with the threats they have used to keep them trapped. The abuser will hurt or kill them, or retaliate by essentially making them miserable in some way, whether it's internet taunting, spreading rumors, etc. One study found in interviews with men who have killed their wives that threats of separation by their partner or actual separations were most often the precipitating events that led to the murder. Yeah, and one thing I want to really highlight in discussing this is when I talked to Katie, she was traumatized, obviously, by all of this. But one of the most painful things she talked about was people's responses to the abuse, like Ryan posting something disgusting and you know, false about her online and their mutual friends liking it and in laughing and posting a ha ha under not understanding the seriousness and, yeah. and damage of this. And another thing she talked about was sort of the judgment she received for continuing to engage in this relationship. And it's like, we need to cut the victim blaming and uh, we all need to broaden our understanding of this because as we are seeing, it's like one of the leading, you know, yeah. causes of homicide in yeah, women. Th- that that whole thing of why didn't you just leave is completely and totally false. That's such fucking bullshit. It is. We met up at his new apartment because he got kicked out of the old one because of the SWAT team situation. And we spent like most of the day together, I would say. He was like turning on the charm. Like it was like, this is the new me. Like I've been helped and I'm so much better. Like I think we should get back together kind of thing. And I... I I told him, you know, like, I don't think we should be together. We cannot continue this relationship. And when I really like put my foot down and was stern in that, it was like a switch flipped. And to Katie's horror, Ryan's abuse would escalate once more to a level she never imagined. It, It was terrifying because that night he completely like, lost his mind and like he he physically assaulted me but he kind of like threw me down and I remember being like in the fetal position and I was covering my face but he just kept kicking me and then he punched like all over the back of my head but he never hit me in the face and I think it's because like he knew I would hide that stuff he knew I wasn't going to tell anybody that he assaulted me. And I didn't, like, I I didn't tell anybody. I've never told anybody that, but he, yeah, he beat me up and then he took my phone so that I couldn't call anybody um, and smashed it. Okay. This entire thing makes you want to hug Katie and kill Ryan because like this could have been fucking it. And it's like, he saw one last window to really just like beat her into submission and he took it. Yeah. And it's terrifying, and I, I'm i sickened over it. It's just, I, you know, I have no words. Like, I've never been in this situation, and I am thankful for that. And I, know, But I know so many people have, and it's so scary. I was still on the ground, and I think I was, like, I, I was bawling at that point. But he took a knife and slashed all of my car tires. He carved a swastika into the side of my car. Katie was battered, beaten, terrified and had no idea what was going to happen next. He asked, oh, can I call you a tow truck since you have no way of getting out of here? Yep, like a Ted Bundy fucking sociopath. Like everything was normal. So he had to call me a tow truck and a ride home. 
or back to where I was staying because I, I had no phone. In these moments, Kitty really grasped what she'd known deep down all along. Ryan had the capacity to kill her. And under the right circumstances, he would. And she was ready to make this breakup official once and for all. After that is when I got my protection order. He really ramped up, like really, really ramped up the harassment. He posted things on Twitter about me, like about my body. That was just disgusting. I mean, it was just the worst things you could ever say about somebody you were intimate with for two years. He called my mom's phone with like kind of a voice modifier saying he was going to burn our house down. He called me saying he was going to kidnap my little brother from school when he was coming out of class. He said he was going to kill my family, including our dog, in front of me and save me for last. Just horrible, horrible, scary things. The fact that after this, he starts threatening. This is really like the it's like a case study for for this like classic escalation, right? Like she -hmm. puts her foot down and now he's talking about her body on Twitter for their peers to see. He's calling the mom's cell phone with a modifier saying they're going to burn the house down. Like imagine your parents experiencing this and not, not only the fear, but the guilt of having them roped in. It's just like, he's going to kidnap your brother. He's going to kill your dog. Like that's the shit he's saying. It's, it's so disgusting. I want to throw up. I know. And just living in that fear of like, she knows that he has like the capacity to follow through on one of these things. Mm -hmm. So constantly living every second of every day, wondering like when he's going to show up, if she's going to get a call that he has done something like that is completely traumatizing and so fucking terrifying to just live in that constant state of fear. Like I can't even imagine it. Yeah. I mean, he's gone from uh, just terrorizing her to terrorizing her over social media, which means it's a public terrorizing, to actually terrorizing her family personally by calling them, you know, personally, which is even more terrifying than the public stuff. So so he's just ramping up, you know, over and over and over again. And threats of burning down your home is just like, oh, okay. So now I'm like, can't sleep. I can't. I feel scared. I'm looking out the windows. Like, it's just a new, it's a new fucking low. It's just, it's so frustrating. And I I feel for Katie so much. And on top of everything that Ryan was doing, his friends and some people who Katie thought were her friends didn't seem to fucking acknowledge the seriousness of what Ryan was doing. And that's like, there's only so many excuses you can give to people like your brain's not fully developed. You're young. I get it. They are immature, but at the same time, like this is really abusive damaging shit that's happening to Katie in in a public forum, especially the online abuse. Like, that's awful. And uh, she was not receiving the support she needed from her friends. People were laughing. Like, people I knew were responding back to saying how funny it was. And I'm like, this is my life, you know? I mean, I still shake and I still get, like, it's still scary to recount a lot of this, you know? Like, it's still, it, it stays with you. Other people might forget that he said that, But I don't. And I don't forget what other people responded to that either. Like, I didn't forget. You know, I'll never forget, unfortunately, for me. Society's tolerance for domestic violence and harassment is embarrassing. Luckily for Katie, she had one last course of action that she could take. That's when I got a full five-year protection order. And in Ohio, the person you're getting the order out against has the opportunity to show up and, and contest it. And I just remember sitting in that courtroom with my parents, just like 
every second that passed, it was just pins and needles. Like, is he actually going to show up and like contest this? Because, you know, like, I, I don't know if I would have been able to handle that. He didn't. So that's when all communication stopped. Finally, Katie was free. At least she had a piece of paper that allowed legal recourse if Ryan were to come near her again. In theory, she was safe from him. But protection orders, they're just pieces of paper. If someone wants to hurt you, a piece of paper doesn't stop them. Either way, the emotional implications connected to this abusive relationship would haunt Katie for a really long time. On the night that Ryan beat and assaulted Katie, she realized that Ryan was capable of killing her. And she knew she needed to do everything in her power to protect herself from him. Katie did all the right things. And she finally escaped the relationship. And while Katie would move on with her life and go on to meet an amazing man who would become her husband, Ryan's presence loomed over the small community where they were both from. And you know what? She was smart. She kept tabs on Ryan out of fear of him and to maintain her own safety. And she would hear things about him through the grapevine from time to time. But in 2021, Katie would learn something that would shock and devastate her, revealing that while she had been able to escape Ryan, someone else wasn't able to. Well, huge thank you to Katie for being our first three this week. This is obviously part one of a two-part story, so she will be here next week as well to continue and finish her story with us. If you're listening and you have a story to tell, please email us, hello at firstdegreepodcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram, search all of our names. We are on Facebook by searching The First Degree. Follow us on TikTok, The First Degree. Make sure to subscribe to our Patreon for all extra fun content. And I believe that is all. There's too many yeah. things to promote these days. Honestly, yeah. that's good. Yeah, all it's good fine. things. It's plenty. But the one thing we do want you to remember is only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close. But not that close. <laughs> May the, the fourth be, be with you, friends. Ooh, jinx. Shout out to Jared Monaco for scoring original music for The First Degree. Writing by me. No sources for this episode except for Katie. Thanks. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.